This morning begin the Gospel of John, and what we're going to be looking at is a subject that stood out to me. I remember this week I was going through my readings, and I was looking at the different subjects in different chapters. And uh, John 11, and I was looking at uh, Lazarus being raised from the dead, and over there, and uh, going from John 12 to John 13, the, Jesus washing the disciples' feet, and looking at what Christ said uh, to his apostles and his promises to them after his passing there in John chapter 14 through 16. And there's a lot of wonderful things there. If you haven't read that section of scripture in a while, you need to go do that. And of course, this week, our goal is to do that and get ready for Wednesday night. But one thing that stood out to me as I was going through it was a a thread. And that was Christ's references to love. And John always emphasizes that. When When you read John's writing, you get you hear and you see the love of Christ and you hear it in his words. You also see Christ taking some stronger stances as well in the way that he speaks. And I think a lot of people today don't really like that. They don't like how Jesus talks and yet how much love and compassion he shows at the same time. They think he's too offensive. In fact, in John chapter 6, you read about how Jesus is teaching and preaching. And as he's doing that, he offends people. And so that some of his disciples leave him and stop following him. And I think a lot of people today want Christians assembly and think churches should be places where we give everybody a a hug and a bowl of soup and a pat on the back and uh, maybe some cash from our pocket and we send them out as a charity. In fact, I've read a, a number of surveys where most people think that's what churches are for, that they're just supposed to give out and give to those who are in need. Now, individually, as Christians, we need to be doing that. And we see Christ doing that. We see his expression of love in that, in the Gospel of John. But we also see that what Jesus taught about reality and who he was changed the way that people perceive the world. In John chapter 16, Jesus says, I'm going to send the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And we've been talking about that on Sunday nights, on how the Holy Spirit does these wonderful things. But Christ promises the Holy Spirit to act through his apostles to accomplish those things. And those are things that the world doesn't like. And this morning, as we look at the love of Christ, I want to make sure that we don't shy away from the love of Christ because the world tells us, well, that's not very loving or that's not very Christ-like. I think it's interesting when individuals say, you know, Jesus wouldn't confront someone and, and speak that speak directly to them or tell people what they're doing wrong or that they're, they're, they're living in sin or that he, he wouldn't talk about those subjects and he, he wouldn't have those views. And yet when we read the scriptures, that's exactly what Jesus does. And I want to make sure that as we're looking through this, as Christ passed on his apostles and disciples, he says, I don't want you to be dissuaded by this world. Don't, don't let them push you away and away from the love of Christ and what it means to be a Christian. Because there are things that we believe and that we stand for and that we say that are going to be offensive. In the same way, we're also going to be reflective of Jesus' love. So I want to take a look at a few scriptures on that this morning. How does someone's view of the world change how they understand the love of Christ? Or how does your view of the world change how you understand the love of Christ? And again, that's tied into my introduction there in the beginning. How you view everything. And, And so when Christ tells us to, to look at the world through his death, burial, and resurrection, through sacrifice, uh, through love, and to also look at the world through how God, who is our creator, made us. He made us. He made us in a specific way. He created us in his likeness. 
He instituted marriage in the very beginning. And those things from Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, and then everything about Christ's life, that is enough right there to change our view of the world. And it's the basis by which we perceive the world. And a lot of people don't like that. They don't like that perception. And as we start thinking about, again, the Christ's love, Christ loves us so much that he comes and he tells us the truth and he gives us the truth. And I know that individually, if we have someone or a brother who's stumbling, we need to go to them individually, one-on-one, and then we might bring one or two with us as witnesses before we bring it before the whole body, before the church or before others. We, we read that in Matthew chapter 8, 18. We read in Galatians chapter 6 where Paul says when we go to bring someone who's stumbling, bring them back, we need to do it with gentleness. Yes. But there also came a point in, in the life of Christ, as you read it in the Gospel of John, and you might read it in Matthew chapter 23, in the way that Jesus had to address those who were hard-hearted. It came to a point where he had to hit them straight on and tell them exactly what they're doing and how it was wrong. And you might have experienced something in that, like that in your life where you have had to come to the point where you had to tell someone, what you're doing is wrong. And I've tried to warn you and I've tried to help you but you need to know that this has to stop. And as we think about that, that is an act of love. And it's something we certainly want to balance. We can't, on the other hand, we can't be going around judging and, and condemning people and going around as though we are God and making judgments we shouldn't make. We read last week in John chapter 7, verse 24, remember Jesus says, don't judge by appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. And we judge according to the measure that God has given us. And we do it in a loving way. So on the other hand, there, there are some who might go around and think, well, if I'm going to be like Christ, I'm going to tell people what they're doing all the time and condemn them and never show any compassion or mercy or, or any kind of giving toward others. But the world is going to identify us and connect us with Christ by the way that we live and the way that we love. I want you to look at this passage right here. Jesus says to his disciples, this is after washing their feet, he says in John chapter 13, 34 to 35, Jesus taught his apostles, he says, a new commandment I give to you. Now listen to this. How is this a new commandment? He says, a new commandment I give to you. you know, that's what Christ is saying. He says that you love one another. Well, didn't Moses say that in Leviticus 19 verse 18, that we love our neighbors? It's commanded. But how is that a new commandment? Listen to this. Just as I have loved you. What's changed? What's changed is that Christ came into the world and he set an example of how we are to love others the way that he did. And he says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. But this, by, and he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And again, some might take that and they'll say, okay, we as, as the church, as disciples of Christ, are to be seen by our love. Love for who? He says love for one another. Within the church, for brothers and sisters in Christ. And of course, that's going to carry over in every part of life. We're supposed to love our neighbor and love our enemies. But specifically here, what did Jesus say? He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And it's, furthermore, he said, and that you love a way that this commandment tells us that you love one another the way that I love you. And so as we read through the scriptures, I hope that we think about that. And I think more beyond uh, simply what Jesus uh, did on this occasion or this to heal someone. And we think, yes, I need to be giving to others, certainly. I want to exemplify Christ's mercy. But also in the sense of forgiving others, we need to be doing that. 
And also in the, in the sense of, I want to be reaching out to those who are around me who are struggling with sin. And that I'm willing to speak up and to do so with gentleness. And so, here they are to love each other and serve one another the way that Christ loves and serves them. And the whole world is to identify them that way. But if you keep reading in this passage and what Jesus has to say to them, all because they're loving the way that Christ does doesn't mean, and the world sees this, doesn't mean the whole world's going to come flocking to Christ. In fact, he goes on there and he, and he warns them. He says, even when you show the love of Christ, many people are going to hate that. We're going to look at that in a moment. But again, that command there, it is a new command because the love is the love like Christ did. So is there enough evidence? I would ask you is this as well, because we're looking at the world identifying us and connecting us with Jesus. Is there enough evidence for the world to convict you of being a disciple of Christ? I've always loved that question. And someone say that I, I know that this person over here is a Christian. Can your peers say that? Can your coworkers say that? You go, the people, your friends, do, will they know? Do they know that you're a Christian? Do they know that you're faithful? Do they know that you read your Bible? Do they know that you love and care for them the way that Christ does? You know, these are things that I think about. I don't want a day to go by when my neighbors or my friends or those who are around me don't know what I believe and where I stand and where my faith is. And I, I think it'd be a shame if we work somewhere and spend so much time with somebody and they never know that we're a disciple of Christ, a follower of Jesus. And that they can't see the love of Christ in us. And I think we want to think about that. Well, how can I do that? I definitely need to show them the love of Christ, compassion and caring. But I also need to share with them some of the truth that we gain from Jesus and what he taught. Now, while we do this and while we follow the example of Christ and love, that doesn't, and the world sees this and can identify us with Christ, that doesn't mean they're going to love us. I want you to listen to what Jesus says here to his disciples in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, look in verses 18 through 20. He says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. The word for hate in the Bible is the Greek word missio. It means to detest. I think that would be the most accurate meaning for the word. I think when we use the word hate, sometimes there's a lot of connotations to it. And I'm not saying that it's, it's the wrong translation here, uh, but it can take a little bit more baggage with it. He says, if the world hates you, know that it, that it has hated me before it hated you. So all because you're living and you're following the love of Christ doesn't mean the world is always going to love you. And don't be persuaded by someone saying, listen, if you're really a Christian, you're going to love people in this way, and therefore, then the world's going to accept you. If the world is going to accept you by a different, um, I guess, interpretation of Jesus' love, it's probably not Jesus' love. It's probably not what is presented in the Scripture. And now when he's talking about the world here, he's talking about the individuals, again, who hate Jesus specifically. We're not talking about those who are kind of sitting in the middle. I'm talking about those who hate Christ. And when you turn on the television today, we're often being told, all oh, these Christians, you, can, you, can, you hear the judgment. And you can hear the hatred, the detest. And so Jesus goes on here and he says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. Because, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, 
Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. And so he makes it very clear. Christ makes it clear here. And, and specifically, he, again, he's teaching his apostles. And he's saying, don't be surprised by this. And when you read 1 John, you continue to see this. You have warnings from Christ that this persecution, these things are going to happen. That the people who hate Christians ultimately really hate Christ. They hate him. They detest him. But those who will keep his words will also keep the words of the apostles. There's much more to be said about that. Those who reject Christ, those are the world, that, that's the world who hates Christ and they hate believers, as we mentioned before. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12 says, everyone who tries to live a godly life will be what? Persecuted. You live a godly life, somebody's going to slander you. Someone's going to speak against you. You live a life that you're trying to follow Christ's example, even in showing care to others. I think it's interesting. I have a lot of opportunities, especially being around the church building, when someone will come and ask for, for money or ask for something. And I can give to one person, and then the next person comes along, and I don't have anything to give them, and they'll curse me sometimes. Oh, you're not really a Christian. I think it's, it's a peculiar thing. But I, and, and I often ask, do you have a home church? No, I don't have a home church. Do you believe in God and Christ? Well, I kind of believe in Yeah, I believe in God sometimes. There's some, kind of, some peculiar things going on there. And I'm not saying everybody who asks is like that. But some are. And it, maybe it's the providence of God that the person who really needed it got it first what they were asking for, and the second person who would curse me for not being able to give to them didn't receive it. You know, but I, I think about those things, and I, I think about, and, and that's, that would be a little bit of persecution. You know, someone just saying something bad to you, that, that's nothing. You can let that go. But someone slandering you at work or in, for, for others or putting you down or having your business essentially cut off from others, I think that's when we start to see the persecution set in. And I think we can start looking and reflecting upon the first century and saying, I know that we have nothing. Any kind of persecution we face usually here in the United States is nothing to be compared to what others are going through, especially those I read about in Africa who are being slaughtered and murdered for what they believe in. But as we continue to read here, listen to what Jesus says. He says, whoever hates me hates my father also. So it's a hatred that when someone hates Christians for loving and acting like Christians, they're hating Christ and they're hating the father as well. And he says, and if I had not done among them the works that no one else did. And so Jesus now is saying, I did these things in front of the world. I did these signs. I did these works. I did these great things, wonders, miracles, and, and of course, giving. He says, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Sometimes there's, you, you can't explain why someone might hate you. There's no cause for it. And I often explain this and talk to others about this idea of, of hatred and persecution. And a, and a lot of people in our society feel like, well, because of my sex or the color of my skin, people hate me. 
And I really think it boils down to something more like this, that it's without a cause. Because when someone hates you, they will pin it on anything, on any feature about you. Well, I don't like the way they talk. I don't like their accent. I don't like the way they comb their hair. I don't like how dark their skin is or how light their skin is. Whatever it might be. As Christians, the best thing we can do is follow the example of Christ. And he says, and why is Jesus saying this? He's saying this. He's saying, I want you to be prepared because the world is going to hate you. And and they hate you when you live as a Christian because they hated me and they hate my father. And he says this, my works have exposed them and they're guilty and their sin will stand against them on the day of judgment. And Christ goes on to explain that. We see that the way that Christians love is not what the world would like. It's not what the world would like. They don't like the way that we do things, the way that we behave. And I hope that we don't start listening to the world when the world says, well, it's Christ-like when you just do this. When you don't talk about what you believe in, that you keep your faith inside, that you don't share the gospel with others, and all you do is just do good to others, and maybe eventually they'll find out you're doing good because you believe in Jesus. That's not what we read in the Bible. That's what the world wants us to do. So it's not the way that the world would want it. It's not their picture of Christianity. We've got to read the scriptures. We've got to listen to one another and study one another to get and, and have the right understanding of how Christ loves. I want you to listen to this as well. When we, I want to go back toward Christ's love and the things that he said. In John chapter 15, 13 to 14, he says this, greater, one, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends. If you do what I command you. And I think this ties into it as well. When I love Christ and I love God, I'm going to keep his commandments. And I have a little note up here. He says, greater love is no, has no one than this. That he lays down his life for his friends. The word friends there, and there's the Greek word up there if you can see it. Philoi. If you're familiar with the, the Greek word for brotherly love, phileo, phileo is those, my friends are those who I love, my, who are brotherly love. That's the definition of a friend here that Jesus is saying. And he says those who lay down their life for their friends. And of course, Christ is referring to himself. He's going to lay down his life for his friends. And the scripture goes on and tells us what that means for us because we are to do the same thing. How are we to lay down our life for our friends, for our brothers and sisters in Christ? For those around us in the church, how do, we, how do we do that? Look in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. I don't have the whole passage up here. If you want to read this further, I, hope you, I encourage you to pull up 1 John chapter 3 and look at verses 16 through 18. And John tells you how you do this. He says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. The very way that Christians love and we understand love is because of what Jesus did, his sacrifice. And that we as well are willing to lay down our lives for others, to help others, to be inconvenienced, to give, to share in others' suffering. And he says this, that he may lay down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And you look at verses, the next verses right after that in 1 John chapter 3, 17 and 18. What does he say? How do you do that? He says you, you give. You have a brother and sister in need, you give to them. You take care of those who are around you. And we certainly need that within the body. We need that love. And the world needs to be able to identify and look at us and say, okay, they are Christians because they love one another. And again, that doesn't mean that they're going to love us. 
So how do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ and lay down your life? Again, verses 16 and 17 tell us. We look out for those who are around us who are in need. We care for them. We don't ignore them. We ask when we can see there are things going on in other, each other's lives. Can I pray for you? Before we finish this morning, I want you to look at this as well. A significant way to love God and others is presented right here by John in 1 John. John says this, By this we know that we love the children of God. By this we know that we love the church and we love the brothers and sisters in Christ. When we love God and obey His commandments. You see, I can say that I love my brothers and sisters in Christ, but when I don't read my Bible and I don't study it and I don't know the commandments of Christ, I'm not demonstrating that I love God and that I love my brothers and sisters. He says, for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. If we look at ourselves and say, well, I'm not keeping these commandments, I'm not doing these things, I want to look at my heart and say, what's wrong? Why is it that I'm not loving Christ? For everything that He's done for me. In John 15 and verse 20, Jesus taught His disciples, if they kept my word, they will also keep yours. There are some today who will say, you know those red words in the Bible that where, where Jesus talks? That's what I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep those words. But as far as the, uh, the words of the apostles and the rest of the New Testament, I don't need that. And they usually do that because they'll say, well, I don't need the church and I don't need that, those things. And they exclude them and cut them off and remove them. But again, Jesus said, if they kept my word, they'll keep yours as well. And so if we say we love Christ, we're going to obey, we're going to keep his commandments, we're going to keep the commandments and the teachings of the apostles and the prophets in the New Testament, we're going to learn them, we're going to study them. I want you to look right here in John chapter 14, 22 to 24. It says, Judas not Iscariot said to the Lord, and Jesus here, he's talking right before, he uh, is right after the, the Lord's Supper, right up before he goes to, to um, the Garden of Gethsemane. It says, Judas not Iscariot said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And so Jesus has been revealing to them. He says, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come to you again. He's been telling them, I'm going to die for you and I'm going to be resurrected. They don't fully understand this. So Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, this is his response to them. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will come and we will come to him and make our home with him. I think about that. If you love God, you're going to keep his commandments and God is going to live and dwell with you in your life. You're going to have a close relationship with him because you trust him enough. You believe in him enough to, to do what he tells you to do. And so Jesus goes on further. And he says, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Anybody says, oh, I love Jesus, but they don't obey him and they don't follow the scriptures. They're not telling the truth. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. I hope that as we think about these things this morning, the world can look at us and say, yes, they look like Christ in the Bible. Not that that would be convincing to everyone, but we're to demonstrate that love. As Christians, we need to resolve to love like Christ and demonstrate to the world who we are. And that's how we do it. It's for our love for one another, how we love our brothers and sisters, our compassion that we show to one another. 
I find this passage very convicting. And we'll read this right before our invitation. Jesus talks about him being the vine and the branches being connected to him. And that those who don't produce fruit are going, going to be cut off, as we're going to read about right here and what's going to happen to them. And he says, but those who are faithful to him are going to be pruned. There are things you're going to go through in your life that are going to be difficult, but they're going to produce more fruit in you. And what the apostles are about to go through in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and seeing that and experiencing that is going to fundamentally change them. So listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Christ, we can't produce anything. Listen to what Jesus says. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. So I want to make sure that I'm abiding in Christ. I love him, that I'm bearing fruit. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And again, to prove ourselves that we are disciples of Christ means that we love him and we're going to bear fruit. We can look at our lives and say, and look, am I bearing fruit? Am I doing good? Am I acting and living the way that Christ is? If I'm not, again, something is wrong and I don't want to deceive myself. This morning, if you love Christ, if you see what he has done throughout his life, you look at his death, burial, resurrection, and you feel compelled to follow him, to become a disciple of Christ, to love him, and study his words and become a Christian. Jesus says in John 3 and verse 5, that whoever is born of the water and the Spirit will enter the kingdom of God. Unless you're born of the water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You cannot have eternal life. I encourage you this morning, if you need to repent, do so. Confess your faith in Christ. Be baptized in the waters of baptism. At that point, you are born again by the Holy Spirit when you've raised from baptism to live in the newness of life. If you need to publicly repent, if you need prayers, you're going through struggles in your life, share that with somebody else. You can come forward now if you want, and we would love to pray with you.